Earlier this week, I had several opportunities to recognize, or I should say to re-recognize, that many times when I'm having interactions and communications with other people or a group of people, whether I know them really well, not so well, or just meeting them for the first time, that if I'm not aware and I find that mindfulness practice ultimately is the, the vehicle for, and it's not the only vehicle, but it is the vehicle for, for, my, for me practicing being more aware of my thoughts and how I'm react, my internal emotional reactions and also my physiological reactions because I know so much of this, the, you know, the mind-body connection, my thoughts and reactions may actually stem from my body having a reaction to someone physiologically. Uh, there could be a contraction or a tensing or a tightness or, you know, the, the tendency to have, you know, closed body language without even realizing it. And it's kind of like, in a way, the body, you know, basically communicates on its own uh, uh, wavelength, so to speak. So what I mean, what I'm really essentially speaking of in, in the context of mindfulness practice is that it really, really helps to be able to engage in a practice that allows me to become aware. I don't have to try to stop it or prevent it or try to push it away or stuff it down if it does happen. But ultimately, what I want to be able to do is just be aware. And what I find is, like with any other aspect of, of mindfulness practice, it is really the what is so healing is the awareness. If I can just be aware that I may be speaking, I'm speaking with someone and, and, I'm, and I'm feeling a certain tenseness or tightness or I'm feeling defensive, and I'm just using this as an example, that I may be uh, coming to this communication and I may be uh, coming from, you know, I may have a certain energy that has nothing to do with this conversation or interaction with someone because of what's happening is that uh, there's actually, let's say if it's just me and the other person or more than, than myself and the other person, there's always another person in the room, at least from my perspective, and, and I can't necessarily prevent that or stop that from happening. I'm not saying that it always does. But essentially, uh, there is someone else present that essentially is remembering, and I'm not saying it's an actual other person, but in this case, there is this, this uh, uh, storage uh, storehouse of memories. And many of them, of course, and I realize this isn't a new revelation for anyone, many of these memories are stored unconsciously. So in other words, I may be reacting to someone, and I may not even know why I'm reacting this way. Why am I feeling... Like this person is talking down to me or that this person is judging me in some way or that this person doesn't like me or this person doesn't, uh, you know, really care for what I have to say or doesn't value me in some way or what it is that I'm sharing. And it may have nothing to do with the fact that, uh, you know, the other person may not feel that way at all. But if I get really uh, invested in my thoughts that just happen to randomly happen, because I'm a human being, just like all of us, and ultimately there is this tendency to, for thoughts to arise that I can't, and obviously there's no way to control them. At least I haven't found that it's possible to do so. And so what I find is that I can, if I'm not aware, and I, and I, and I have no realization or recognition that this is going on, what ultimately can happen is that I'm really having a conversation not really with the person that I'm uh, sitting across from or standing across from or however the, however the case may be. I can be actually having a conversation with a you know, sort of a memory or not sort of, it is a memory 
of something that has occurred. There's, I guess it's, this is referred to as pattern recognition. And so there may be something about the tone of voice, their uh, physical, uh, in terms of how they present themselves physically or body language. There could be a context in terms of where I am. Uh, maybe I'm, you know, in a similar in a similar place at some point in the past. Something happened very similar to this. It doesn't have to be exact. And my brain is beginning to form associations, and of course, the thoughts then occur. And I'm not sure in this case. I don't know enough about this to know, but I know that there is this relationship that somehow the body remembers. You know, the mind, the nervous system, the limbic system, the memory occurs, and that sort of that what they refer to as that fight or flight reaction happens and somehow the brain begins to start you know figuring out some kind of story uh, or some sort of narrative about what it is that the body is feeling or the nervous system is feeling and so I can find myself really easily if I am not if I have no awareness of this or no recognition of this uh, I can you know basically find myself very confused and in some cases not even aware that I am really uh, communicating with someone from a place of defensiveness or from a place of anger or frustration. There's a lot of different emotions that can be triggered ultimately. And I found myself this week uh, several times where I recognized this happening. And they, they were all different situations with different people that, uh, you know, the, some were, you know, people that I just didn't know very well at all. Uh, a few were just, you know, that I had just met. And it's amazing to me how the more I practice being aware that this is happening, and not only am I being aware of this, but you know, really open, I'm open to being aware of anything that I'm thinking or anything that I'm believing about what it is that I'm feeling. And so as we move through life, you know, I, you know, and I realize we all do that a little bit differently. There's different circumstances, different people, different places. But that ultimately what I find that commonality is that I'm walking around, you know, like, like generally all human beings with this memory bank of things that are stored in my body and certain things will cause me to feel a certain way or react in a certain way. And if I'm not aware of that, then I can very easily find myself getting carried away with beginning to think that maybe someone feels a certain way about me or, you know, and I, and I think, and I really believe that I know because at the end of the day, if I believe that I know what someone is thinking about me, or if when they're speaking and communicating something to me, if I'm really sure that I know that even though they're saying these words, that they're, this is what I think they're really, really saying, because maybe somehow they're looking at me a certain way and there's some sort of memory about some something that happened in the past. And I know it can be very overwhelming. And so why the reason why I'm speaking about this is what I find is that ultimately, the longer I've practiced mindfulness, I can just be aware that this is happening and then I don't have to be overwhelmed because I'm not worried about making it stop because I know I really can't, at least for me. And I'm just speaking about just my own experience. I'm, I'm not saying that no one is capable of that, but I know that and nor do I want to really try to make it stop. And even if it doesn't feel good, and even if it feels distressing or disarming in some way, or just, you know, for whatever reason, that I know that the way for me, the way back, so to speak, to a place where I am actually feeling more whole, where I actually am feeling more at peace and more centered, is that if I can, it's not about getting control of my mind, but giving myself the opportunity to use some sort of meditative technique, and there are many of them, 
so that I can actually begin to get my mind, you know, at a wavelength or, or operating. And it's not really, and I'm try, trying to get it to do anything other than if there's, I guess what I would say here is that it's just, if I can give it the opportunity to slow down and there's so many techniques for doing this because I know if it's all going, you know, just literally at a, at a pace that I can't even comprehend and the brain seems to be able to do that a lot of the time. Uh, the tendency is that I just get overwhelmed. And so I'm, I'm going to just, I'm, the easiest thing for me to do at that moment when I'm emotionally overwhelmed is to, of course, believe everything that I'm thinking about what I'm feeling and uh, to take that to heart. And because it's the easiest thing for me to do. And when I know that when as humans, at least for many people that I've spoken with, when we're overwhelmed emotionally or physically, uh, the body uh, is sort of wired to try to find the easiest way to cope. And But I find that for me that sometimes the easiest way to cope is not necessarily the most effective way for me to cope. And that's really where this practice has come in because I spent many years struggling with interpersonal relationships and uh, other human beings really confounded me a lot of the time. And I found myself in a lot of cases, it was just so hard and so, you know, it was so trying and exhausting to interact with other human beings because of the fact that I, I felt certain things when I was interacting with them. Uh, and that's really what, what I found. It is, it, it, the more that I struggled with that, the more that I tried to avoid it and, try, and ultimately led to me you know, arranging my life in a certain manner where I absolutely uh, and utterly minimized my uh, need to interact with people, especially uh, uh, in situations that I wasn't completely comfortable with. I don't know that I was ever completely comfortable in any particular situation, but I think ultimately what I did was I became very selective and really tried to avoid being in situations where I couldn't control all the variables. I couldn't control the environment. I couldn't control the communications or what was, what was happening, what was being spoken about. And it wasn't so much from a place of needing to control uh, for the sake of control. It was really about, and I, and I hope that this is something that's, that is meaningful, uh, it was really about trying to control it because I didn't like feeling vulnerable. I didn't like feeling like people didn't like me or didn't get me or didn't respect me or understand me or appreciate me. There's a whole long laundry list there of ways in which I can talk myself into, you know, by believing what I'm thinking about what I'm feeling, I can come up with this narrative. It's essentially a story that I can tell myself. And what amazes me is that I can literally do that while I'm in front of a, a person or other people. And I immediately am so, uh, I'm, I'm busy watching and listening to my story about what I think is going on because I'm feeling a certain way. And if I think I know why I'm feeling a certain way, which are ultimately thoughts, and these are ultimately these these stories that we tell ourselves and, you know, the beliefs that form around those. And, it, and, and it's easy to do that, I realize, because I'm the one thinking these thoughts. I'm the one feeling these feelings. And so my own interpretation of these, even though in many cases it is flawed, even in many cases, even though in many cases it is not accurate and not even close to being accurate. And uh, while I realize that I can't and at one point in my life, I felt like I, I needed to know what people were really thinking. I really needed to know because I, and, and that was a point in time at which uh, I really was struggling with, uh, you know, my own thoughts about what I thought people thought of me. And uh, while I would find myself in situations regularly where it would feel a certain way and my body and my mind are reacting because it, you know, it's, it, it went through things similar 
And, you know, that pattern recognition is constantly ongoing. And uh, I could literally decide that, you know, something was, you know, this was happening and this person was saying this, or maybe it was about what they didn't say. And I decided, I kind of filled in the blanks because ultimately these were, this was me thinking and, uh, and I was believing what I was thinking. And so that became my reality. And so what I find is it's so incredibly healing. I had several of these opportunities this week where, uh, and I can't, with all of these, I can't say with 100% certainty that I really knew what the person was really thinking or what they were really feeling or ultimately what they were really trying to communicate. I heard the words, but I, you know, there's no way for me to know. I can always try to seek to get, to, to get clarity and to try to make people, uh, I want people to feel comfortable enough to tell me what they really think. I don't always want to hear it necessarily, but I know that's just because I'm human. And sometimes, you know, when, when I hear what they really think or what they're really feeling, uh, that may be challenging to me because it actually uh, calls into question my own beliefs and assumptions about how it is with this person uh, for whatever the, the case may be. And so if I can allow myself to just pay attention and be here without needing to believe anything that I'm thinking about what I'm feeling, if I can just really be here and really hear what the person is saying, even if I really don't know for sure that that's really what they are intending to communicate or not, uh, and I don't have to know, what I'm finding is, you know, yes, it would be wonderful to know, but ultimately I think that is something that uh, is challenging for several reasons. But it really what I found that it's about is it's about my own ability to cope. That when I'm in interactions with other people, that's really all my responsibility is, is ultimately, and I had one of my gurus share with this with me a long time ago, that each person is ultimately responsible for their own level of consciousness that they bring to interactions with other people. And that it's ultimately the work that I do on myself, you know, that healing work. And this is outside of the scope of what I'm speaking about here and now in this moment. But it is really about I want to take responsibility for that work so that I can be with other people and not get in my own way with the way that I react to these automatic, you know, kind of this automated system of pattern recognition that uh, my brain and my body seem to work together uh, at performing. And I realize ultimately, and I know this is no new revelation, I realize that's just about human survival. Uh, at a different level of consciousness. And so I don't want to be in denial of that because I know I can't make it stop. And I know that if I try to make it stop or try to control it, I find myself totally overwhelmed. And there really is another way. There is another, what they refer to as the road, sometimes less traveled. And that is to actually be here now, uh, as my guru used to refer to it as. And essentially, the point re remembering another teacher taught me that the point of all this you know, what is the point of being human? And I realize this is just one person's uh, viewpoint. I'm not saying that this should be truth for anyone else, but that I, it really resonates with me. What I find is that the whole point of this is to be here and to be here now and to be present and to feel whatever I'm feeling, even if I don't want to feel it and to think thoughts, even if I don't want to think them. And if I don't want to think these things and I don't want to feel these things, and if I can't control any of this, then where does that really leave me? What I found is it leaves me with a lot of room to work with because ultimately what I can do is I can just get in the habit of and practice paying attention to what I am thinking, how I am reacting, how I am embodying how it is that I'm feeling. And uh, whether I like it or not, at some point, while it doesn't feel good clearly to, to feel a way or, or think in a way 
or react in a way that doesn't feel good to us. But what I find is that there's no way out but through that, at least for me. I'm not advocating this for anyone else. But it is really about just continuing to cultivate. And many meditation teachers and mindfulness teachers talk about cultivating the witness. And essentially what you're really doing is you're just you know cultivating a little bit of headspace where I can just basically back away or step back just a little bit even. And I find that that headspace increases the longer that I practice this. And it gives me more room to be able to be present with whatever I'm thinking or feeling. Uh, and, and recognizing when I'm, that when I have beliefs form, forming around that or have formed around that is that I can just be here however it feels, whether I like it or not. And I can just simply uh, have a more expansive viewpoint. And I can recognize that maybe I'm reacting to something and because someone else is, I'm feeling something that they're conveying either verbally or non-verbally. And it may be because they are triggered in some way. And so if I can remember that it's not just me that may be uh, being triggered uh, in some way emotionally or some sort of automatic memory coming online that predisposes me to, uh, th- to uh, you know, thinking that this is who I'm dealing with, not the person that's actually in front of me, really trying, trying to make an effort to communicate with me. I just find that it's much easier to be here with people if I just choose to actually be here with them. And I know if I could turn all this automated stuff off, I would, but I can't. And so in the absence of that as a human being, I found that this practice of mindfulness ultimately, uh, it actually allows me to really engage more in life, to deeply uh, be more more vulnerable with people and really be here with them and be open to it sometimes, not necessarily going the way that I thought that it should go or how I believe it should go. Uh, It just is going how it goes. And that I really can cope because I have this ability, because with the practice, what I find is, and this is nothing special or unique about me or any sort of gifts that I have that I don't, because ultimately it's about just the longer I practice, I'm really also cultivating a space for myself that I can return to. So when I'm really busy and in in a reactive mode, you know, really caught up in my beliefs and in my identity of who I am. And that's the other thing I find too, is I wanted to mention is that, you know, a lot of these thoughts uh, and reactions come from what I find is they're informed by this belief. I get so wrapped up in this is who I am and this is what I'm about and this is what I like and this is what I don't like. And I realize it's it's human and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I've certainly been this person many times. But what I can appreciate is that uh, if I can let go of that and not hold on to that identity so tightly, And I don't need to really engage so much uh, in terms of time and energy in these thoughts about who I am and this is how this is affecting me and that's affecting me. And I don't like this and I don't like that. Uh, What I find is I can just be with whatever it is, however it is. Uh, And and not always fully. I'm not going to say that this is always a, uh, uh, as my father used to refer to this as a bowl of cherries. You know, he used to always say, Jeffrey, life is not a bowl of cherries all the time. And it isn't a bowl of cherries all the time. I admit it. Uh, many times it's the opposite of that. Uh, and there again, I don't know if everyone loves cherries, but that, that's the analogy I've got here for now. But that's really what it is, uh, what it's about. And if I can, you know, have this place to return to, not, and you'll notice how I'm not saying I'm not retreating from whatever is happening. I'm not hiding from or seeking shelter from whatever is happening, however it feels. But it's almost like I can return back to this space that really actually is, it's not a different place. It's not a different space, really. It's actually coming back to the here and now. And I can actually inhabit it 
because the, the gift is given of the additional headspace and a more expansive viewpoint because of the practice of being able to be more comfortable with having thoughts that don't feel good and having internal reactions that are distressing at times. And that really is what I found is that the longer I practice being fully human, and to me, at least I'm not saying this is right for anyone else, to, for me, being fully human means feeling as much of all of this as I can. I'm not, it's not a goal. It's not something I'm trying to do. It's just something that I'm allowing myself in each moment to flow with however it is that things unfold and just trust that I can do it. And I know that the only way I can trust in my ability to do that is to practice actually doing it. And that's really what this, what mindfulness has been all about for me. And I certainly do love sharing this with others because ultimately for me, it's come down to how can I cope? How, how can I really get through this next moment that doesn't feel good where I really don't have any answers and don't know what it's leading to. And I'm completely confused and don't even know what to think about what's going on that I don't have to think about what's going on. I can just keep returning back to this place where I can be more, hopefully be more centered and, and, and actually have a wider perspective and be more open to letting it be whatever it is and know that I don't have to live in fear of it, that I can actually cope. That's really where it's been at for me.